Welcome to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kat Lee. I'm here to explore the ideas, stories, and experiences that dig deep into what it means to be an empowered and curious human. Together, we'll connect over emotional alchemy, conscious relationships, and embodiment medicine. On this podcast, I'll be sharing tools, techniques, and wisdom about coming back home to the truest version of yourself. Hello, and welcome back to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast. This week, I want to have a conversation about, it's, this is going to be the most comprehensive conversation about your period that I can cram into an hour. So in this conversation, there are two myths that I would like to dispel. Myth number one is that we are meant to suffer one week out of the month just because of our hormones, because of our periods. The reality is that our body is infinitely wise and it is trying to speak through the language of signs and symptoms. And so it's our job to listen. The second myth that I want to talk about is the fact that a lot of people are on birth control to control their cycles and we are under this impression that birth control is the only option to regulate our cycles. And again, the reality, the the truth of the matter is that signs and symptoms from your cycle is your body actually blinking that check engine light up for you. And when we take birth control to control or regulate or just get us through our cycles, what we're doing is we're putting our finger over that flashing light and we're turning the volume up on the radio instead of looking under the hood. There are so many options out there to support healthy hormonal health, but first, what we have to do is ask the question why before we jump to the how. We have to understand what these signs and symptoms are trying to tell us before we jump to a solution. So I know that the health and wellness industry is saturated with specialists and experts who claim to know what the magic pill is that's going to fix your painful periods. But I think that it is more helpful to ask, what is your period trying to tell you? Because these common signs and symptoms that we see all the time, it's really your body trying to draw a roadmap to your health. And so I consider it my job and my honor um, to listen. And from that listening comes a customized plan so that we're getting to the root of what is causing you so much pain, what's causing you so much suffering instead of, you know, playing whack-a-mole with all your signs and symptoms. So today we're going to talk specifically about what your body is trying to say when it speaks from um, through the language of severe cramps and pain, um, clots, unusual colors in your cycle. So either like when your cycle runs a bit on the light side or really, really dark red, when there's fatigue and brain fog that you associate with your cycle how chronic digestive problems can contribute to a difficult menstrual cycle, what's actually happening when you're feeling overly emotional before your cycle happens, and when there's too much flow and not enough flow. So these are all really common signs and symptoms that I hear about all the time. And I've distilled it down to basically four Chinese medicine diagnoses. These are really basic. Again, if you want to dive in a bit deeper, I think that it is important to work with the healthcare practitioner. But if you can take away a bit of information from this episode and understand which of these four patterns that you fit under, you can actually do a lot just by shifting some of your lifestyle habits. So the fact is that you might be hearing all of this and be thinking Yes, please. But I can use help with all of these things. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not surprised because everything is connected. So if you're curious about how interconnected your body is and how to support your hormonal health from a customized standpoint, you are going to learn so much from this episode. One of the main reasons why I started this podcast is because I want to normalize conversations around our bodies. 
particularly when it comes to women's health. So you're actually helping me do that just by tuning in. But you can commit even deeper to this collective community goal by supporting this podcast on Patreon. This is my first month that this this little podcast baby is out in the world. It's my inaugural month. And my goal for this month is to gain 10 patrons on my Patreon page. And support can look as little as $3 a month. So here's a glance at what you're going to learn from this episode. We're going to talk about what a quote-unquote healthy menstrual cycle is. And I, and I put healthy in quotation marks because I think that everybody has a normal expression of what healthy means to them. We're going to go over these signs and symptoms that we just talked about and what your body's trying to communicate with you when it's putting up these flags for you. And then we're going to get to the root by identifying those four Chinese medicine diagnoses so that you're not playing whack-a-mole with your signs and symptoms. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to dive in deeper, I'm available for herbal consultations if you live in Canada or in the United States. We'll have a in-depth discussion, a conversation about not just your menstrual cycle, but about your whole holistic system. And we will come up with a customized formula that's made just for you. This formula can be shipped right to your door and you just dissolve the granulated powder in hot water and you drink it like a tea. And it might not be quite as tasty as like your morning matcha or your green tea, but it is so helpful when it comes to working with menstrual cycles. And you can find out more on my website, empowercuriosity.com. And then I'll also have a link to explore on the show notes of this podcast as well. If you're curious about finding an acupuncturist in your area who specializes in women's health, I recommend going to aborm.org. That's A-B-O-R-M dot org. And that stands for the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine, where you're going to find a registry of acupuncturists who have done a ton of extracurricular training, and they're certified to hold and support fertility and everything there is around reproductive health. And so I'm a fellow of this organization, and I'd have to say that the standards to hold a fellowship in this organization is quite high. The field of reproductive medicine is constantly evolving, and so we are required to continually be learning and taking courses about our field so that we can stay current and make sure that our licensure is current. Again, that website is aborm.org, and I'll have a link in my show notes as well for that. So... All that being said, I'm so glad you are here, and let's get started. Hello, I am Kat Lee, and if the title of this episode um, caught your attention, then likely you are somebody who has a menstrual cycle and has some questions about what the heck your menstrual cycle is up to. I'm going to give you a bit of a brief overview of what we're going to talk about today and what we're what sort of juicy material we're going to dive into. First, we're going to talk about what a healthy, and I'm putting healthy in quotation marks, um, what a healthy menstrual cycle looks like. And the reason why I put healthy in quotation marks is because I don't want to pathologize what is a normal expression from your body. And this all goes back to my belief that signs and symptoms are not something that needs to be fixed. It's really about your body trying to communicate with you. And so when we think about signs and symptoms as communication from our bodies, it becomes more of a conversation rather than I'm going to try to control my body and I'm going to pathologize my body. And so that's why I put healthy sort of in quotation marks. Then we're going to talk about what are the common signs and symptoms that we associate with our menstrual cycles and what your body is trying to communicate with you by speaking in these specific signs and symptoms. 
And then we'll chat about how we can get to the root so that you're not playing whack-a-mole and how easy it is to play whack-a-mole with a lot of the signs and symptoms that come up. We'll cover some basic um, Chinese medicine diagnoses when it comes to our menstrual cycles, and I have four that we're going to cover. And if you can sort of isolate out what umbrella you fit under these four categories, then it really covers a lot of what you can do to feel empowered in your own menstrual cycle. And then, of course, we're going to talk about some tips and tools. In short, this is likely going to be the most comprehensive conversation about your period <laughs> that you'll get. Um, I cover a lot of this in my initial consultations with my clients, and so I kind of feel like I'm giving away an initial consultation, but I, I feel like it's so, so important to really have a conversation about our menstrual cycles and to really get a sense of like what you can do to feel empowered when it comes to your menstrual health. So a little bit of background about me. I am bringing 10 years of clinical experience as an acupuncturist, a licensed acupuncturist, and I've specialized in women's health that entire time. In the last three, three and a half years, I would say, um, I've really specialized in fertility medicine. And so that's really where um, a lot of this comes together, but this isn't just for somebody who's trying to get pregnant. This is really for anybody who has a menstrual cycle. I also want to preface this conversation by saying some obvious, but I think just things that I need to state is I'm abiding by my professional standards, so I will not be diagnosing or treating anyone via podcast. Um, this is really for your educational purposes only and for you to start asking some questions about your own body so that we can lead you down a path of curious inquiry. And um, if you do have some deeper questions that are more individualistic to you, I'm not going to leave you hanging. You can always email me, cat at empoweredcuriosity.com, and I can point you in the right direction, and don't worry, I've got you. Okay. So when I was thinking about how I wanted to approach this conversation, there were two main myths that I wanted to disprove. And the first one is this idea that we're really supposed to just suffer for like a week out of the month because like, ugh, just like hormones, right? And we have a tendency to like wear our discomfort as like a badge of honor almost. And so the, the really difficult cramps and, you know, how many painkillers I had to take and how much pain I was in, you know, the clots, the fatigue, the brain fog, the digestive issues, not having enough flow, too much flow, headache, insomnia, bloating. These are all common signs and symptoms that I hear from my clients and my patients all the time. And the problem with when we normalize um, or actually, the problem with when we wear our pain as a badge of honor is that we, we have a tendency to normalize our pain and discomfort. And so then we don't give ourselves a chance to think about how could life be different. And we end up just settling for like what we think is just, oh, this is good enough, you know. I also wanted to dispel the myth that birth control is your only option to have a quote-unquote normal cycle. And we give our power away when we are given chemicals to manipulate our bodies into being controlled. Uh, my story is that I was put on birth control at the age of 14 before I was sexually active because I had these horrible migraines every single month. And my doctor told me that this is the only option for you. And actually, you don't really need a menstrual cycle. And so you can just take this birth control back to back. And, you know, if you want to just have like a week, a year that, you know, you set aside and allow yourself to have a menstrual cycle. And so I listened to that medical advice because that's all I knew at the time. And our bodies are so much like our souls in that they are tied to nature 
And when nature goes out of balance, the more rigid and the more controlled we become, the more repercussions and the more, um, the more issues that, that pop up down the line. And so we're seeing this when we are looking at, you know, nature around us where um, we've done some things to Mother Earth and she's starting to speak up in these really, really um, harsh ways that feel chaotic. So we're seeing a lot more forest fires. We're seeing viruses come out of nowhere. Um, at the time of this taping, we are in the midst of physical isolation because of the coronavirus. And this is from a lot of things that we have done to nature. And so our bodies are no different. I also want to say that um, this is not to downplay the importance of birth control. Birth control is such an important tool and it has you know, created so many shifts in our culture and in our lives as women. But intention is so important here, as well as information. Information is so important here as well. And so when we take birth control as a way to feel empowered in our own sexuality and to create choice around it and um, to create choice around if or when we want to have children, that's a very, very, very different intention than feeling like my body is broken and this is what I have to do. This is my only choice to fix it. So we're not, we're also not given a lot of information about what we're putting in our bodies and what potential side effects that it has down the line and how it can affect our hormones in the long term. Um, and so when we make decisions about our bodies, it's so important to have information so that we can make informed choices about our bodies. And so that's really like a lot of the conversation that I want to have today is what is your body trying to tell us? What information are we gathering from our bodies and what informed choices can we make given that, that personalized information? So I know that the health and wellness industry is saturated with, you know, specialists and experts who claim they know what is going to fix your painful periods. But I don't think that I've heard a lot of people ask, what is your period trying to tell you? And this is what I'm really trying to get at when I sit down with a client. I'm not in fix-it mode. And first and foremost, the main thing that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to listen. And you're going to get so sick of me saying this, but our bodies are not broken. And the body is the storyteller of our lives. And signs or symptoms are not a sign of your body being broken, but it's a form of communication. And the signs and symptoms are actually your body trying to draw you a roadmap and trying to say, hey, there's something going on. I need you to pay attention to this. And um, it is your healthcare practitioner's job to listen, not just to like tamp that sign or symptom down. The way I think of it is it's like um, if the 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 check engine light is flashing in your car. Um, you don't just put a piece of tape over the check engine light. You know, you actually go under the hood and you figure out what's going on with the engine. And so um, I feel like when we're trying to tamp down all the signs and symptoms from our body, that's what we're doing is we're just picking or sticking a piece of masking tape over that check engine light because it's annoying. And we're not actually doing the deep work of like, looking up under the hood and, and checking out what's going on in the engine. So if we look at you as a collection of signs and symptoms, if we use the, the masking tape method, if we're just covering up the check engine light, we end up playing whack-a-mole with the signs and symptoms. So it's like, we fix this thing over here. We fix the, um, the painful, um, periods, but then you end up getting headaches because of a side effect of the medication that you're on. Or, you know, yeah, you might not be having the, the bloating that comes with your menstrual cycle, but then where the hell did your sex, uh, sex drive go, you know? And so this is what we end up doing when we don't actually address the underlying root causes. And so an example is that I very rarely suggest Vitex that's chased berry. Um, it's really readily available in, in um, your drugstores. And I 
rarely suggest it on its own, but a lot of women who come to see me come and they, when they share their supplement list, they share that they're taking that. And when I ask why, they say, oh, it's because I have irregular cycles and I have PMS. The problem is that Vitex lowers estrogen and it increases progesterone. Okay, so it lowers estrogen, increases progesterone. And she's taking it because she has irregular cycles and she has PMS. And guess what else can make you have irregular cycles and PMS? If you have low estrogen and high progesterone, you can have these same symptoms as somebody who has high estrogen and low progesterone. And so you can actually make things worse if you're taking Vitex and you're somebody who has low estrogen and high progesterone. So um, by just going by the signs and symptoms and not asking what's at the root of what's going on with the signs and symptoms, you can actually potentially be making your situation worse. So I like Chinese medicine. I shouldn't say I like Chinese medicine. I love Chinese medicine. I'm such a nerd about it. Um, but Chinese medicine takes a much broader view of the body. It, so instead of looking at your body and sort of the Western model of looking at the body is, you know, if you go, if you have a heart problem, you go and see your cardiologist. If you have a hormone problem, you go see your endocrinologist. If you have depression, you go see your psychiatrist. But none of the people are really talking to each other. So there's not a conversation about the whole picture of the human being. And so when we approach, um, when we approach medicine in this way, it's sort of like we think of you as a piece of machinery. And so it's like, if your carburetor is broken, then let's go just fix the carburetor. Or if, you know, your engine is, is out of whack, let's just go fix and focus on the engine. But human beings are not machines. And they're so interconnected. All of our systems are so, so interconnected. And so the way that I like to think about Chinese medicine is that it's a bit more like a garden. And so if we're looking at the body as a garden, it's a totally different conversation. It's not a situation where it's like, oh, let's cut out the thing that's wrong or let's just give you, um, let's just inject something into you if you're deficient in something right? It's more of a conversation about like, how can we fertilize the garden so that there is healthy growth? What do we need to prune back, right? So that there's actually space for you to grow. Um, and so when you're working with somebody who understands the holistic picture, this is the framework that we're working with. And I really think about the menstrual cycle and I, and I consider myself lucky to be a woman and to have feedback every single month about what the internal landscape of our body is trying to tell us, you know, men, it's, it's really difficult to, to actually get a really clear sense of what's going on with their chi and blood. Um, and we're going to just dive straight into chi and blood in a second. So what sort of questions do we even ask about the menstrual cycle to determine where you fall under. A lot of women I talk to can't tell me what a normal, again, quotation marks, normal, healthy menstrual cycle looks like. So for example, I had a patient um, several years ago and we were talking in our initial consultation and she was sharing with me, you know, like, there are, you know, two or three days out of the month that I sleep in the bathtub on a towel because my period is so heavy that there's not a pad, there's not a pad in this universe that can catch everything that falls out of me. And, and I was like, that is way too much blood, honey. And she was like, well, what do other women do? And she had no context of like, her menstrual cycle was out of the, it was an outlier within what we would consider a normal um, cycle. And so we don't talk about these things um, because we're embarrassed or we just assume that everybody else goes through the same thing because again, we wear our pain, we wear our discomfort as a badge of honor. And I don't want to create any shame around not understanding this because we aren't taught this. You know, like I remember going through um, sex education in middle school and, 
you know, there's, they show you a cartoon and in the cartoon, it's like, there's like a comical little like red drop of blood that denotes when a woman gets her cycle. And I was horrified the first time I got my menstrual cycle because I was like, this is not just a drop of blood. What's happening? (laughs) And so we don't, we aren't taught what goes on with our bodies and we need to start having these conversations with our daughters at a really young age and talk about you know what is our body doing and what is our body trying to tell us and and so then it becomes a normal thing that when we talk when they go through puberty and they have their menstrual cycle they understand that this is communication from their body and this is a big part of why i personally am drawn to women's health and for me, it's about reclaiming what is our birthright. And in order to claim our bodies again, it all has to start with understanding our bodies first. So let's get into the juicy stuff. Um, I want to talk about four patterns um, that we describe in Chinese medicine. And if you can identify which of these which combination of these four patterns you fit under, I would say that you figured out the majority of the puzzle when it comes to your menstrual cycle. Um, Of course, there is a more nuanced conversation that you can have with a practitioner and they're going to be able to get you a more customized plan if you work with somebody who understands women's health. But if you can, just in today's session, if you can identify if you have qi deficiency, qi stagnation, or blood deficiency, or blood stagnation, you've got a huge piece of that puzzle figured out. So blood. Blood is easy, right? Blood is the same thing that you would equate to blood in Western medicine. It is what flows through our veins and what flows from your womb every month. And and so we'll be talking about blood, but Qi, I think, is a difficult concept for people to understand if you aren't well-versed in Chinese medicine. And I like to think about Qi um, when we're talking about menstrual cycles as momentum. It's really the energy behind the driving physiological, it's the driving force behind all the physiological actions in your body. And um, as we continue our conversations here on this podcast, you'll, you'll see that I talk a lot about nature and how it shows up in the body. And so I like to think about the menstrual cycle as being a bit like a river. So if you see a river, um, what is behind that river is momentum, right? It's the driving force of what drives that water. Otherwise, it would be a lake. And the blood would be like the water within the river. So if there is qi deficiency, it's like there's not enough oomph behind that river water. And so if there's not enough oomph behind that river water, it's like there's um, not enough movement that happens. And so we'll see what happens physiologically when that happens in the body. If there is qi stagnation, it's like there's a dam that's been put in the river. And so it stops up everything. And um, again, we'll sort of see what the downstream physiological changes in the body look like. If there is blood deficiency, it's like there's not enough water in the riverbed. And then if there's blood stagnation, it's like there's something going on that is making the blood stagnate. So it's like when the riverbed has like these little pools of murky, like stagnant water. So not a lot of like fresh water flowing through, right? It's just sort of stuck in these ucky gucky um, little pools. So We're going to carry those four concepts through our conversation about your menstrual cycle. So let's start with how long is your menstrual cycle and do you know when you ovulate? So typically I like to see menstrual cycles to be between 27 to 31-ish days. And what that means is that you are ovulating around days 13 through 16. And the reason why this is so important 
is because we need to have enough time in the follicular phase, that's before ovulation, for your body to actually ripen one of your follicles into an egg. And then the egg drops. If there is, um, if you are trying to get pregnant, then it gets fertilized. And then there's enough time in that back half, the luteal phase of your cycle, to create enough uterine lining for that little embryo to implant and, and grow into. And so what happens in an ovulation that is too early or too late? And I think this is going to be particularly interesting for folks who are trying to get pregnant because um, if you don't fall within that little window, there is a natural timing to how things ripen and, um, and the timing to how things ripen. And so if you think about walking through an orange grove and you want to just pick the best orange on the tree because you're going to eat this one orange out of this orange grove, you're going to pick one that's like, nice and juicy and orange and you know like like you can sort of go through and and think about what the perfect orange would look like right you wouldn't be thinking oh i'm gonna pick that green one um the one that hasn't turned orange yet and you're also not thinking like oh i'm gonna pick the one that's like a little shriveled and like starting to dry out right and so that is the same thing when it comes to ovulation is there's this really lovely window that physiologically our human bodies have evolved to um, uh, to ripen our eggs in. And so that happens to be within that 14-day window. And so it takes about 14 days, give or take a day or two, right? Because there's a bit of like normal expression of just human bodies. Um, it takes about 14 days for that egg to ripen and become that nice juicy orange. And so um, you can sort of see where in the fertility journey, if you're ovulating on day seven, for example, you're picking a green orange. Um, or if you're ovulating on day 30, you're picking one of the like dried out oranges, right? And so um, we can sort of see, and this is particularly, um, for folks who have PCOS, we have a tendency to have irregular cycles because um, our hormones are a little bit out of balance and then our, um, we don't ovulate at the right time. We ovulate either early or we ovulate late and that's what's happening is, is we need to work with our body's hormones and figure out how can we balance that out so that we're having that nice 14-day follicular phase. And then on the back end of it, that luteal phase, that 14-day luteal phase is just as important, right? And so we need to be able to, um, to have that nice juicy uterine lining. And so if you have, and this is, if you have irregular cycles, it's more likely that the follicular phase is a bit out of balance. It's very rarely that the luteal phase is out. Um, but it's like if your luteal phase is 10 days, it's like your lining hasn't gotten a chance to get thick enough to turn into that nice soil that that seed can then implant into, right? And then if your um, luteal phase is too long, then it's like it the soil's been composted too much, right? And so there is that nice little window um, that is important. Um, if you are somebody who is trying to conceive, I would recommend checking out uh, episode two of the Empowered Curiosity podcast. I have a conversation with Jasmine Rose, and she's a, a doula and a holistic fertility specialist, and we have this really lovely conversation about the energetics around fertility. And so it's important to also bring in the heart and the spirit when it comes to fertility. It's not just about let's work on the body. So what color is your blood is another important question that we ask. And we like to see a bright red flow right from the start. Like, hello, here I am. If it's a bit of like spotting beforehand, we're thinking about maybe there's some blood stagnation, maybe there is some chi deficiency, um, maybe there's some chi stagnation, uh, maybe a bit of blood deficiency. We have to sort of suss out what's going on there. And 
the color is also important and so if it's like you tend to be a bit pink in the beginning that might point to a bit of a deficiency either chi or blood or if you um, tend to have a bit of brown spotting in the beginning that might point to a bit of blood stagnation and so like all these signs and symptoms again is really pointing us towards which of these four patterns do you fall under the actual flow once it starts what color is that that is also important so what we like to see is that bright red from the beginning but then um, it sort of tapers out into a darker red at the end right and so uh, if you never see that bright fresh blood what it shows us if you tend to be a bit on the light pink side the whole way through again that gives us a sense of chi or blood deficiency there um, if you have a tendency to have a really really dark dark colored flow um, that tells us that there is some blood stagnation and it's easy for us to sort of understand this conceptually right because if you were to cut your arm and your you know your uh, your your body is just trying to heal it right you can see how blood just sort of coagulates and so if there's not enough flow happening within the uterine lining it can turn a bit dark because it's a bit stagnant um, blood stagnation is also associated with actual blood clots so if we go back to that riverbed analogy it's like if there's not enough um, and whenever we're, we're, we're seeing blood stagnation, we always have to ask why. Like, is there a chi deficiency behind it? Is there a chi stagnation behind it? Or is there blood deficiency behind it, right? And so when we are asking why, it's like, if you think about the riverbed analogy again, if there's not enough blood flowing through the riverbed, if there's not enough water flowing through the riverbed, then we're going to see stagnant little pools of blood, right? If there's a dam that's stuck in the way, we're also going to see stagnant little pools of blood. If there's enough blood, but then there's not enough chi, there's not enough oomph behind it, then we're going to see stagnant pools of blood, right? And, um, and so whenever we see clots, we have to ask the deeper question of why. And so chi deficiency, a lot of times people feel really, really tired. Um, because that physiological momentum behind everything in your body, there's not enough of it, then you're just really tired all the time. And so it's almost like your body is, is just like, ugh, I don't want to have a cycle, you know? There's just this feeling of just like, why? Um, and this like dragging sort of sensation. And so I find that a lot of people who have um, signs and symptoms that come up after the menstrual cycle have a bit of chi or blood deficiency. Because it's like once you've expended all your blood, once you've expended all your energy, um, and having a menstrual cycle is energetically expensive, once all that's done, you're left feeling so tired and so drained at the end of it, right? And so um, that's where we can sort of see that, that chi deficiency sort of come up. If you're having, if you have chi stagnation, it looks really different. It can feel so frustrating, right? And I hear a lot of folks who have that, that PMS. They say they're so emotional and so frustrated and so like irritated and angry. Like it's almost like you have to like, like bust through something to have the menstrual cycle flow. And it's like once your cycle starts flowing, everything feels better. Like that's a classic chi stagnation type patient is if there's like it's almost like if you can just bust through that log that's damming up the river then everything can flow again right and so asking about the timing of signs and symptoms is really as important and then if the signs and symptoms are the worst when you are having your cycle then i'm thinking that there's some blood stagnation because it's so hard to move that stagnant blood through that you're going to have some discomfort as your body is trying to move it through, right? And um, 
a lot of people who have that blood stagnation say that they have a lot of cramps. It's really painful. They have to take, you know, some sort of painkiller um, during the first, you know, couple days of their cycle, and they have a lot of clots, and they're really big clots. And if you think about it, it's like your uterus has to go through these contractions in order to move that stagnant blood, and so it has to work extra hard, which is where that, that pain and discomfort is coming from. When it comes to signs and symptoms, one thing I want to talk about is um, this idea of you're just being hormonal. And we say it to ourselves, and we also hear it from our partners and from society that, you know, if you're being emotional before your cycle, it's like, oh, you get dismissed because, oh, you're just being hormonal or um, you're just you know, it's just your cycle coming on. And something that I think we don't talk about is that before our menstrual cycle happens, that is actually the time when our right brain and our left brain are communicating the best. And, um, and so sometimes the things that could have just gotten swept under the rug, the frustrations and the irritations that can no longer get swept under the rug when your right brain and your left brain are communicating um, really clearly with each other. It's like, I can't unsee that thing right now that you are not doing or like, why can't the trash just be taken out? And it's so irritating. And, and so I think the thing that I would like to just plant a seed around is if you have emotions that come up really strongly before your menstrual cycle happens, to ask yourself, is this a legitimate thing that I am ignoring during the, you know, 25 other days of my cycle? Is this something that I need to actually address? Because oftentimes your body won't let you unsee that thing right before your cycle. So I hope that makes sense. So I see a little question in the chat box. And can you have all types of chi and blood symptoms? Yes. And we don't all fit under like a perfect little umbrella. Oftentimes it's a combination of a bunch of them, sometimes even all four of them. And yes, it can vary with each cycle. And um that's the perfect segue into what I want to talk about next because what can contribute to your cycle on a monthly basis is a lot. But I'm going to break it down into two main lifestyle factors that can contribute to your menstrual cycle and what your body is trying to tell you when it shows you these signs and symptoms. The first one is stress and the second one is digestion. So stress you know, again, and this is where I think taking a holistic view of your menstrual cycle is so important and not just thinking about it as like, oh, I go see my psychologist for my stress and then I see my endocrinologist for my hormones. Like they can be very much tied together. And so physiologically, let's talk about what happens to the body when we are under stress. When we are under stress, our bodies go into what is called the sympathetic or the fight or flight mode of our nervous system. And what happens is it, our body perceives that we are under threat. And it doesn't always have to be a threat like I am running away from a bear, um, but it can be I am overstressed because there are so many things happening in my life. I'm having a fight with my mother-in-law. I am running around a little bit too much right now. I, uh, there's been a death in the family. You know, it can just also be like chronic stress, which is I work a job eight hours a day and I have to be on the entire time. There is no downtime for me to take some, some moments for myself. And how your body deals with stress is that it sends a lot of blood circulation up to the brain because your brain has to get turned on and problem solve, right? It helps your brain in these moments of fight or flight to be hyper-focused on what it perceives to be the problem, right? And so 
in the extreme example of I'm running away from a bear, which is where all of our ancestors and where our nervous system evolved from, it's like I want to hyper-focus on this problem in front of me, which is a bear, and that way I can problem-solve my way out of getting away from this bear that's chasing me. Same thing, right? You can get hyper-focused when you are at work. You can get hyper-focused when you're dealing with your children, when you're dealing with a, um, a problem like a relationship um, that's feeling a little rocky. So important to have your brain turned on in those moments. The other place where your, um, where your body goes is it sends a lot of blood circulation to the heart and to the lungs. And what happens there is it's because it's priming your body for action. So it makes sense, right? If you are running away from a bear, if you're dealing with children, if you are dealing with um, being at work and you have to be on, it's important to make sure that your, your heart and lungs is getting enough energy, chi, enough blood, so that it can just pick up and, and get ready for action at a moment's notice. On the flip side, when we are in the parasympathetic mode, which is what I call, what's often called the rest and digest mode, but I also like to call it the feed and breed mode. So what happens there is that we get a lot of blood circulation that goes to our digestive system and to our reproductive organs. And so for a lot of people, this is um, feedback from your body. A lot of people say that when they are stressed out, it goes the first place it shows up is in their digestive system. Either they get constipated or they get diarrhea or they get stomach pains or they get acid reflux. And so this is an indication that you're stuck in that sympathetic mode and so there's not enough blood circulation going to the digestive organs because you don't need to be digesting food when you're running away from a bear, right? The other place where... Um, where our energy goes to when we're in parasympathetic is to our reproductive organs. And so um, we access parasympathetic when we are connecting with loved ones, when we're able to take some time for ourselves, when we are able to just snuggle up with our kids and, you know, just have that moment. Um, and, when we're in that parasympathetic mode, blood circulation goes to the, um, goes to the reproductive organs. And so you can see how um, if there is blood stagnation because of chi stagnation, right? So it's like you're stuck in that stress state. And so like the blood's not getting to the womb. So like you could have plenty of blood. You might not show up as somebody who has anemia like blood deficiency patients do, but you're not allowing yourself to actually relax and get that blood to the womb, right? And so that can be where that blood stagnation comes from. Um, and, and stress inherently is going to stagnate your chi, right? So if you think about how you hold your body when you're in a state of stress, it's this like, like if you're listening to this as a podcast, you're not going to be able to see me make this, make this gesture, but it's like your shoulders hunch and you hold yourself in a protective way and your muscles get tight, right? And so there's not going to, there's going to be some dams that form up in your energetic body, depending on where you hold your stress, right? And so again, if we can relax the body, if we can get your body to perceive that it's not under threat, um, and how you do that is by addressing the things that are causing stress in your life, you know, and it doesn't have to be this like, oh, like, screw it, I'm going to quit my job because, you know, you know, I can't be working eight hours a day. It can be, hey, I set a timer on my phone so that every hour I'm getting up and walking five minutes that can just shift your, your body from sympathetic to parasympathetic, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. It can also be um, the easiest, and this is going to sound stupidly easy, um, but the easiest way to shift your body from sympathetic to parasympathetic is to breathe. And specifically, when you focus on the exhale part of your breath, it shifts your body into the parasympathetic. So if you give yourself, you know, a four, uh, four count inhale and then like an eight to 10 count exhale, and you do that three times, just sprinkle throughout your day, 
that gives your body a chance to shift into the parasympathetic. Because when you breathe in, your heart rate goes up, and then when you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. And so it's an immediate signal to your body to shift into the parasympathetic. So that is how stress shows up in the body. So stress is going to stagnate your chi. It can also drain your chi, right? And so it's like if you're focusing on these things and you don't have enough gas in your tank, it's going to drain your chi. And so that's going to, over time, create chi deficiency. It can also, um, and we'll talk about why it causes blood deficiency, but it can also cause blood deficiency. And all of these things can contribute to blood stagnation. So how does it cause blood deficiency, which is going to be our second main lifestyle factor, which is around your digestion. So if you are somebody who is eating the best supplements and you're eating really good whole, um, you know, unprocessed foods and you're cooking mostly from scratch, but your body's not able to digest all those things, it's not able to actually extract the nutrition from it, then it's going to not have the right building blocks to create nice healthy blood, which down the line is going to cause blood deficiency. And so a lot of these folks will, um, when we go in and get your blood tested, your ferritin levels might show up a little bit low, but oftentimes, even if you have a normal ferritin reading, because um, one of the one of the downfalls with, with uh, Western medicine is that it's a very black and white system, right? And so it's like if you're on this line of a ferritin rating, um, then you are healthy and you are not anemic. But then if you're just on the other side of it and it can just be like a one-point difference, then you are anemic and you do have blood deficiency, right? And so oftentimes when we are working with um, – signs and symptoms, we fall under this gray area where you are showing signs and symptoms of blood deficiency. So it could be like, I'm really tired, my hair is falling out, you know, I have um, floaters in my eyes, but you're not testing as actually being blood deficient because you haven't fallen past that, that, that marker yet. Um, and so when it comes down to it, it's like your blood is so tied into your digestion, which is so tied into your ability to process stress. Because again, if you're in a sympathetic, if you're in a fear, fight or flight state, then your body is going to deprioritize digestion. And when it deprioritizes digestion, it's not gonna make enough stomach acid, it's not going to turn on the stomach, it's not gonna turn on the small intestine so that it can then extract good nutrition from your from your diet. It can actually over-regulate or under-regulate your large intestine so that you might run a bit constipated or have too much diarrhea. Um, so stress is so tied into our digestive system, which is then, as a downstream effect, tied into how healthy your blood is which then, again, as a downstream effect, can affect um, your menstrual cycle. So again, if you have blood deficiency, you might start to see these pools of stagnant blood form up um, because there's just not enough water in the waterbed, right? So the river is going to look really different in the wintertime when there's tons of water coming down the stream versus like in the hot of, like in the, in the height of summer, right? there's not going to be as much water. And so that riverbed looks really different depending on how much water there is. Blood deficiency can also show up as, you know, um, blood that looks really light and pink. Like there's not enough red blood cells within that uterine lining so that when you do shed, it's like this light pink color that, that you know, maybe you have a bit of spotting. So, I know that I make it sound super simple by breaking it down into these four basic Chinese medicine diagnoses and these two major contributing factors. Um, for a lot of women, though, working on just these, these basics can do a lot. But for many, it helps to work with a practitioner. 
And so if you have chi deficiency, if you listen to this talk and, and you're, and you're like, Oh, that chi deficiency piece, that's, that's part of my puzzle. Um, rest is going to be so important. Really allowing yourself to digest your food is going to be important. And so making sure that if you are eating food, you're not doing it in a, in a, in a stressful situation. You know, you're actually sitting down and having a meal. Maybe you're having a meal where you're connecting with your loved ones. And allowing yourself to rest, allowing your nervous system to fill up the gas tank, that's going to be really important for somebody who has chi deficiency. On the flip side, if you have chi stagnation, moving your blood, or sorry, moving your body is going to be really important. And so this is the kind of person who exercise is going to be great for. If you have chi deficiency, exercise is not going to be great because it's going to continue to deplete your gas tank. If you have chi stagnation, soothing your nervous system, really, like really working on what is stressing me out and what can I do, what active steps can I do and take to make sure that I am taking care of myself is going to be really important. If you have blood deficiency, making sure that you eat nutritious food is going to be really important. So making sure that your food is not processed, making sure um, that you're able to digest your food. So similar to the chi deficiency piece, right, of like sitting down and having good eating hygiene, making sure that you're not having the news on when you're trying to eat a meal because that's going to just push, like push you back into that sympathetic state. Um, and then um, one thing that I think to note is that acupuncture is really helpful for all of these, but for blood deficiency in particular, it's not as helpful because blood needs substance. Blood is a substance, so it needs substance. And so what is going to be more helpful is um, making sure that you are eating that nutritious food. If you are somebody who uh, feels like you listen to this talk and blood stagnation seems to be um, one of your key factors, herbs are going to be super helpful for you. And same thing with blood deficiency, actually. Herbs are helpful in blood deficiency as well because it's a substance. And then moving your body in gentle ways. And so chi stagnation is going to feel better to like get your blood moving, get your heart pumping, you know, cardio is going to feel really good if you have chi stagnation. For blood stagnation, moving your body in really gentle ways is going to feel more nourishing. So doing more of a yin style yoga practice or stretching, um, gently massaging your womb, these are all going to be more helpful than um, really going for a run. And if you think about which umbrella you fall under and, and think about all the, the little tips that I share for each one, chances are your body has actually been asking for this all along. And so, again, it's that I'm going to loop it back to what our conversation first started out as, which is let's ask your body what it is craving, what it is wanting what is at its core and what it's trying to communicate to you. And again, chances are your body's been craving this all along. Your, your body's been craving that rest and it's been asking for that. Or your, your body's been craving that movement and it's been asking for that. And we've been trying to just muscle our way through it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so glad that we got a chance to connect. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the empowered curiosity podcast if you found the conversation to be valuable make sure you screenshot post and tag me on instagram so we can keep the conversation going and to get notified when the next episode drops make sure to subscribe on itunes so you never miss one of our chats